BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth, and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. Tom Hartman here with you. And boy, what what an amazing news day. It's just incredible. The the, uh, the Donald Trump destroying Obamacare. I mean, he's just he's just out flat out doing it. Let's take down Obamacare. Uh, it's and and I mean, you know, he started out with the executive order, which he almost forgot to sign yet. Or he did forget to sign. Uh, uh, Pence had to say, oh, go back and sign that thing. Um, and which would basically allow these so-called cheaper plans, these, uh, you know, uh, non-conforming plans. I mean, the main thing that Obamacare did is it established nationwide regulations for health insurance that prevent health insurance companies from ripping us off, that prevent health insurance companies from selling us crappy plans and saying, hey, oh, this will meet all your needs, and it's only $100 a month compared to that plan over there, which will also meet all your needs, but it's $300 a month, and you know, or whatever it may be. Um, and then you don't realize you have a crappy plan until you're, you know, two years into it and your doctor says, oh, you know, you need to have your gallbladder taken out or you've got, uh, you know, uh, uh, whatever, you know, and you you have to do something that's expensive and suddenly you discover that your health insurance is only, you know, doesn't cover hospitalization, for example, or doesn't pay for surgeons, but does pay for your regular doctor or doesn't cover emergency room visits and you get in a car accident. I mean, there's seriously, the, the many plans, many of these cheapo plans literally have these kinds of exceptions. And the people selling them to you typically don't point that out to you. They give you the 10 pages of fine print and say, here you go. There's all the details. And you look at it going, oh, I can't even read this stuff. It was, you know, it was written by an army of lawyers. And the stuff that they really don't want me to read, they put in all caps. Because when you read things in all capital letters, you, you know, it actually slows down the rate at which you speak, at which you speak, at which you read. Um, so, you know, they kind of just bury all that stuff. So, so that was his first attack on Obamacare. His second, which was confirmed last night at around 10 o'clock, was that uh, they're going to, he's going to withhold $7 billion in, in payments to health insurance companies that are the subsidies that make Obamacare affordable. They're the A in the ACA of the Affordable Care Act. 
so there's that. And, uh, you know, the, the question, is this going to, uh, you know, what's this going to lead to? I think ultimately it's going to lead to single-payer health insurance. But uh, over the short term, it's going to mean that a lot of people are going to get hurt. You combine that with, uh, with uh, the Republicans in Congress refusing to reauthorize the Children's Health Insurance Program, which provides health insurance to 9 million low-income and, and severely needy children. And, uh, you know, kids in the foster care system, all kinds of stuff like that. And it's, it's, it, this, is, this is nuts. And then, and then you get his deregulation uh, shtick, right? The, the, the Ryan Zinke. Oh, Ryan Zinke. The, the, Ryan Zinke, this is, this is so hysterical. Um, he's, got a, he's got his own flag, right? The, the uh, Department of, of uh, the Interior has a, a seal. Every department has a seal. And the one for the Department of Interior is a bison, you know, the, the big thing that looks like, like a giant cow on steroids, a bison, ill-fashioned, you know, planes, and uh, with five stars around it, right, on a, on, I think it's on a blue field. And so Ryan Zinke, who loves to, you know, suck up taxpayer money riding around on a horse in Washington, D.C. with a whole bunch of horseback riding police officers, and who has been spending tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands, God only knows, maybe millions uh, of your and my dollars flying around the country in private luxury jets rather than taking commercial transportation. And, and you know, I, it's like they all, this, 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 this basket of deplorables that Trump has put together as his, as his cabinet, they're all buying into the 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 bizarre billionaire now now all billionaires are not nuts like this right i mean let's be very clear about this tom steyer for example very decent guy um but and 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 smart and active and all kinds of good stuff but but the donald trump variety the conspicuous consumption the glitzy glamour hey let's just rip off everybody we can more 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 it that that zeitgeist that that worldview, that philosophy, that sense of what is and what isn't appropriate, that has, Trumpism has infused the entire cabinet. And so what Ryan Zinke has done now is on your, with your tax dollars, has, de has designated an interior department employee to go up to the seventh floor every day when Ryan, just be, as Ryan Zinke is arriving at work, and then climb the stairs up to the top of the building and go out through the fire exit or whatever it is. And then, you know, once he's at the top of the building, uh, raise that flag on the flagpole. And as long as Zinke is in the building, the Department of Interior's flag is flying. And when Zinke leaves the building or goes like on a vacation, you know, takes a corporate jet on your and my nickel back to his home in what, Oklahoma, Wyoming, wherever he's from. Uh, then the flag doesn't, doesn't fly. Bizarre, bizarre. But th 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 back to the deregulatory thing, which Ryan Zinke is, is doing part of. The benefits to Trump and his organizations of the deregulation that he is doing, public citizen, citizen.org is the website, public citizen, uh, just 
put out a press release about this, just outlining some of this stuff. The, the EPA rules to protect our drinking water and to, to, and to ban chloropiferose, if I'm saying it right, uh, I'm probably not, uh, which is a toxic pesticide that's been banned in other countries. Uh, the EPA, the Obama EPA was about to ban it. The Trump EPA, in fact, I, I believe they did ban it, and the, but the ban didn't go into effect until this year. And the Trump EPA reversed that ban. So who cares? Well, golf courses. This, is a, this pesticide is used on golf courses. Trump owns 12 golf courses that would be affected by that rule. The U.S. Department of Labor has rules to expand overtime pay and strengthen the right of workers employed through staffing firms and contractors. So you can't, you know, in, in, instead of screwing your own employees, you hire a subcontractor who, who, you know, screws their employees and then you don't have the light. Well, you can't do that anymore, except now, you know, Trump is changing those rules and uh, which is well, here, the hotel and restaurant owners are among the business interests opposing these rules on the grounds that increasing worker pay will harm businesses' bottom lines and lead to increased restrictions on workers. A significant portion of the Trump's organization's 22,450 employees are hotel and restaurant workers. So he gets to screw his 22,000 workers, right? He gets to treat them more poorly. The Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, uh, they're supposed to collect information uh, in Trump's White House, the pay gap. This is this is they're, they're supposed to collect information to find out if there are discriminatory pay practices going on um, there. The, in Trump's White House, the pay gap is double the national average between men and women. The Department of Homeland Security's cap on the number of foreign nationals. Can they be employed in the U.S.? Well, Mar-a-Lago just uh, got approval for 76 new H-2B guest workers. So he's bringing immigrants into the country. It's just incredible. And we've got the Iran deal, and we've got guns, and we've, I, there is so much that is going on that I want to share with you and talk with you about. And of course, you know, pick up your phone calls and get your thoughts on all this as well. So stick around. We'll be back. It's uh, the Tom Hartman Program. This is the Tom Hartman Program. More of the news of the day, your calls, and my thoughts on all of the above right after this. And welcome back. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Jesse in Miami. Hey, Jesse, what's on your mind today? Thanks for watching Free Speech TV. Hey, hi, Tom. Uh, meant so many things, like you say, but one of the basic things I was thinking of with so much going on is the fear that's out there. And when Roosevelt gave that speech, there was a lot going on then about you, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. What do you think he was talking about when he said we have fear to fear itself and how that was so common, you know, common the country from what it was going through then, what kind of effect would it have today with so much going on? Yeah. Well, what FDR, when FDR said we have nothing to fear but fear itself, he said that in 1933, in March of 1933, when he was at his first inaugural, right? That was part of his first inaugural address. And he was coming into office, uh, literally the week that he came into office, every bank in America failed. The, the country was in a crisis. We were at about 30% unemployment. The economy for three years under Republican Herbert Hoover had absolutely collapsed. 
And Hoover and Hoover's philosophy was it's not the job of the of the government to to help the the, the average worker, to help businesses, to help the economy, to you know, the, the job of the government is to run the army, right? Classic Republican, almost libertarian perspective. And it just destroyed the country, uh, you know, through the Harding, Coolidge, and, and, and Hoover administrations. And so when FDR came into office, people were panicking. I mean, the people were, the suicides were happening all over the country. It was, it was you know, people, there was literally starvation going on in parts of the United States. Uh, elderly people were freezing to death in the winter and dying in the summer of heat stroke. I mean, it was just the, the country was in the, the most extreme crisis since the Civil War 80 years prior. As it seems every 80 years, we have some crisis like this. And, you know, 80 years before the Civil War was the Revolutionary War. And so what FDR was trying to say was, don't worry, I've got this, which essentially, you know, Obama said over and over again. So I think that President Obama did a really good job of not using the exact same words, but saying, essentially, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. Um, you know, in other words, we can handle this. Let's not get hysterical here. Let's not have a panic attack. Let's just, you know, get things done. And uh, but Trump could not say that. Trump, Trump's whole thing is fear. I mean, that's what Trump peddles is fear. In fact, I would submit to you, Jesse, that the entire basis of the Republican Party the, the entire sales pitch to the American public on which they got elected and everything else is we're going to tear down everything the Democrats have done. Not just everything the Democrats have done for the last eight years under Obama, but everything the Democrats have done since 1933, when FDR said we have nothing to fear but fear itself. And that's what, you know, that's my take on that, uh, Jesse. So I, I, you know, I would say to people, don't be afraid. Get active and said, you know, people call in all the time and they say, I'm freaked out. What do I do? Say, you know, show up at your local Democratic Party meeting and help us take back this country. Help us take, you know, make a government that works. But but I, I, I does that make sense, Jesse? Did I answer your question? Yeah, it does. Yeah. OK, but cool. The thing is that it's not answering this. What is the fear? Now, yeah, well, now the fear is I think we're, we're afraid of Trump himself. You know, I don't think anybody was afraid of Roosevelt. Maybe the maybe the fat cats were. Jesse, thanks for the call. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Tom Harbin here with you. A few other things that I, I just, I, I, I want to go through some of the news of the day here and, and, and uh, share my take on it and, and just, you know, bring you up to speed. And then I, you know, we've got a full board of calls right now. I'll be picking up your calls right after that. But uh, this is, uh, again, from Public Citizen. Uh, the, there was a Facebook page for people who are going to come to Washington, D.C., and protest Trump's inauguration. Now, out of that, almost, you know, uh, I think it was over a million people who came to protest Trump's inauguration, there were about 200 who got arrested because about a dozen or maybe a couple of dozen uh, were smashing windows. In fact, it was right, right down the street from where our, our studio is and our D.C. studio. 
And, and uh, so, so the Trump administration goes to Facebook and says, we want the identities of all the people who liked that Facebook page for the protest or who reposted their information or even, you know, posted anything saying, yes, I'll be there. We want to know who those people are. And a, 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 I believe it's a federal court. Yeah. U.S. Department of Justice filed the search warrant as part of a criminal prosecution. Facebook is resisting the warrant. And uh, Judge Robert Moore in the Superior Court of the District of Columbia said that to protect their First Amendment right to speak and read anonymously, essentially, especially against a government that is, quote, increasingly hostile to dissent. He's saying no. Now, this is, I'm predicting this is going to go to the Supreme Court. And I'm predicting that Gorsuch is going to push for the federal government uh, to, to be able to force Facebook to, to do these kind of things, which is just, I mean, this is chilling free speech terribly. It's beyond terrible. There is, oh, here's a, a joke for the day. I found this over on Democratic Underground this morning. Uh, F-S-O-G-O-L posted it. An elementary, a, uh, an elementary age kid just asked, what do Donald Trump and a pumpkin have in common? Answer, they're both hollow, or, uh, orange, hollow inside, and should be thrown out in November. Yeah. Okay, another thing. This is, this is concerning. Fracking in Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Oklahoma, among other places, I, I believe that the earthquake we had in Washington, D.C. about five years ago was caused by fracking nearby, but I, you know, I can't point to any specific evidence for that. And I believe that they quit fracking in the, in the area after that earthquake. But in Oklahoma, they've gone from two or three earthquakes a year to, you know, two or three earthquakes a day. I mean, they're getting hundreds of earthquakes a year. But Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Oklahoma having earthquakes as a result of fracking, you know, it, it smashes windows and it damages houses. It hurts average people, but it is not like destroying the country or the world. But if you're one of the many, you know, <laughs> probably millions of Americans who've seen the old Nova special and all the spinoffs from it about the super volcano in Yellowstone. One of the largest volcanoes on Earth, and it turns out it's an active volcano, is in Yellowstone. And if it goes, it could be like when the Siberian traps went 250 million years ago in Siberia, pouring out lava, that produced the Permian mass extinction. I mean, it could, it, it, that would be an extreme worst case scenario, that it would just, you know, destroy most life on Earth. The middle case scenario is that it would basically wipe out everything in the United States from Yellowstone east, assuming that the prevailing winds were continuing to flow from west to east. So, you know, and it would be, go, be going north and south. And so all that ash, I mean, it would shut down air travel. It would, it would render homes un, in, uninhabit, uh, uninhabitable. The, it, it would just destroy a large chunk of America. So what's the new brilliant idea from the, uh, from the Trump administration? Oh, let's allow fracking in Yellowstone. 
seriously. The Center for Biological Diversity, biologicaldiversity.org, and the Sierra Club, sierraclub.org, this is from EcoWatch, lodged formal complaints with the federal government opposing a massive gas fracking project that spans 220 square miles of public land in Wyoming, just south of Yellowstone National Park. This is crazy. You know, now the, the complaint is specifically, they're not, they're not talking about the possibility of activating the volcano. That, that, that's me saying this. I'm, I'm, I'm and, you know, without specific scientific evidence, just, you know, common sense. They're, they're talking about how the fracking will uh, destroy wildlife habitat, worsen ozone pollution, cause childhood asthma, things like that. But I'm saying, really? You want to frack near one of the most dangerous active volcanoes on the planet? Really? You guys crazy? You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. Call 202-808-9925. Your calls right after this. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards with just one click. So you can rest easy knowing your job is being seen by the right candidates. When then ZipRecruiter puts its smart matching technology to work, actively notifying qualified candidates about your job within minutes of your posting it so you receive the best possible matches. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other hiring sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on the right candidates finding you. It finds them. You can even get a head start on the interview process by adding screening questions to your job post to help identify the most qualified candidates so you don't have to waste time sorting through a stack of resumes to find the perfect fit. No wonder 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And the easy-to-use ZipRecruiter dashboard lets you manage your hiring process from start to finish all in one place. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by growing businesses of all sizes and industries to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, you, my listeners, can post jobs on uh, on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Hartman. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Hartman. One more time. Try it again for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Hartman. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. Trump, uh, it, it, this is uh, The Hill. Uh, Ellen Mitchell writing in The Hill just uh, minutes ago. Uh, President Trump will decertify the Iran nuclear deal, but not push Congress to reimpose sanctions on the country top official said. So basically, he's, he's, he, I, I think he's being too slick by half, and I think this is going to blow up in his face. And, he, and, and here's, but here's, here's what he's planning on doing, and then I'm going to pick up your phone calls. Uh, but this is, you know, serious breaking news. Here's, here's what he's planning on doing. He's going to say, you know, the, the law says, the, the, the way that we passed our law here, now keep in mind, this was a deal that was negotiated with five other countries. The, the Iran deal. I, and, and my recollection is it was Germany, France, England, Russia, and China. But I'm, I, you know, I may be off on that, but, but whatever. It was negotiated with five other countries and Iran. Maybe, maybe Iran was the fifth country, not China, but whatever it was. And they're not changing anything that they're doing. And they're not going to. And they're not going to go along with you know, Trump's you know, ranting and raving, number one. Number two, 
his saying, I can't certify this deal, doesn't mean that anything necessarily has to happen. But number three, he's trying to kick this to Congress. But any kind of, in other words, he wants the deal, you know, the, the, the part of the deal that we signed, it's, it's INRA, INARA, INARA, I-N-A-R-A is the, the uh, uh, acronym for the Iran Nuclear Agreement Review Act, okay, which, which basically is a law that says that the president has to review this and every three months report to Congress on whether or not Iran is in compliance. And so Trump is saying, no, I'm not going to say that they're in compliance. I'm not going to say they're out of compliance, but I'm not going to say they're in compliance. And so, Congress, you're going to have to do something. Well, first of all, the head of the Foreign Relations Committee uh, committee in the Senate, who would be in charge of making that happen, is, is Bob Corker. Now, Corker, you know, little, little Corker, right? This is as Trump has been tweeting about him. And yeah, he is... Uh, kind of a short fellow, but it's uh, Trump has just been insulting this guy. This is the guy that he's going to depend on to make that happen, number one. And number two, it's going to take 60 votes in the Senate. And there's no way the Democrats are going to go along with this. This is just another effort by Trump to destroy something that Barack Obama did. It's just that simple. And, and, and frankly, just that crass. I mean, that's, that's really what it all, what it all comes down to. So, anyhow, George in Chicago. George, what's on your mind today? Uh, hi, Tom. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, earlier in the week, I heard an interesting interview on our local public radio station with some of the contributors to a new anthology that's titled Tales of Two Americas, edited by John Freeman. One of the things they talked about was a psychological experiment, and forgive me for not remembering which institution conducted it, But the subjects that were gathered together were asked to play the standard old board game of Monopoly, according to the usual rules, except that one player started the game with twice as much money as the other players and also got to roll twice as many dice throughout the game as the other players. Uh, The result of the games was, uh, in the vast majority of cases, the person who started out with the more substantial wealth and the advantage of extra die rolls won the game. Right. And, and we, which, by the way, and for anybody who's not played Monopoly, won the game means that you wiped out everybody else. Everybody else ended up homeless on the streets with no assets. Exactly. And the behavior uh, that occurred was very interesting because as the game progressed, person who had started out with the advantages uh, became uh, progressively more, uh, shall we say, a bit arrogant and cocky. Mm-hmm. And when they invariably won the game, they attributed it to their superior skill and judgment. Really? Yes. It's amazing. That's amazing. So it sounded like the America we know where the best gauge of whether or not you're wealthy is if you were born into affluence. Yeah, and if you succeed, it's because you had familial or other advantages to yeah. begin with. That's incredible, George. I was not familiar with the study. I'd love to see it. If you if you come across it, if you could post it on our blog over at TomHartman.com, I'd, 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 well, I'm planning on reading this book, Tales of Two Americas, very soon, and I believe it's uh, 
described in the book, so I will do so. Okay, great. George, thanks so much for the call, and thanks for listening to us on WCPT. Uh, Jared in Tanningtown, Pennsylvania. Hey, Jared, what's on your mind? Hello, Tom. How are you doing? Uh, you're coming in really choppy here. I don't know why. I sound like a robot. But, okay. Uh, you mean on the phone? Cool. Yeah, on the phone. Yeah. Okay. Uh, thank you for telling me that. And and please, anybody, if you if you hear or notice anything weird, we're you know we got a brand new studio here, and we're still finding wires that are flaky and connections that you know, need to be redone and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, any kind of feedback is useful. Thank you for that, Jared. Although, you know, uh, for future people, you don't have to tell me on the air. You can tell, you can tell Arthur, our call screener, when, when, you know, he picks up the phone. Unless it's, well, I guess if it's, if I'm coming through uh, differently. Anyhow, Jared, what, what, you wanted to talk about the Iran deal. Yes, yes, I want to talk about the Iran deal. So Trump is scheduled to decertify the Iran deal which means it kicks it off to Congress um, to impose new sanctions on Iran. Now, what happens if, uh, if Congress doesn't, if it does or doesn't impose new sanctions? I don't know if they would or wouldn't. Yeah, so as I, as I, uh, I was talking about this a little bit ago, uh, Jared, and, and first of all, in order to do that, it's got to get through Bob Corker's committee. And Bob Corker is not real happy with Donald Trump right now. Um, then it's got to go to the floor of the Senate for a vote, and it's going to have to have 60 votes. This is something that can be filibustered. Uh, this is not something that can be done by reconciliation with 50 votes. It's not a budget item. And so the odds of it getting through the Senate are zero, in my opinion. So what this means is Trump has made a grand gesture, which is destabilizing the world, but is satisfying his base. That's all it means, in, in my opinion. Um, it's just, you know, it's another example of Donald Trump putting personal, petty politics and political gain and vindictive advantage over the safety and security of the United States and, frankly, the rest of the world. So, the, you know, that's, that's the bottom line. Jared, thanks for the call and thanks for the question and for the information, although your phone sounded a little flaky, too. So it might have been your phone. Who knows? Uh, Dick in uh, Louisville, California. Hey, Dick, how do I sound? Hi, Tom. Can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear me? Okay, Dick. I'm in Lemon Grove, California. Okay. So what's up, Dick? I was, uh, there's a program on, to, well, I mean, thank you for taking my call. Sure. Yeah, no need to say uh, that. It's just, just jump right into it. What's up? Okay. There's a program on television called Hoarders, and it's people who, their house is nearly unlivable, and they, because they save Newspapers, cans, and sometimes too many pets. And these people are called sick. They are labeled as sick. Well, it's, it's, an, it's an extreme form of obsessive compulsive disorder where the compulsion is on hoarding. And I've been saying for years that I think that this is the problem that some among our very, very wealthy have, exactly. that they are That's hoarding money calling. instead of cats or newspapers. Exactly. That's what I'm calling about. Why can't them as sick. Uh, they, they, they have money they, you know, that would support an entire nation. Well, prior to the 1980s, and the, those of you, uh, you know, listening who are old enough to remember before the Reagan administration, there was actually a broad consensus in the United States that greed is not good. You know, that, that changed in the 80s. The greed is not good. 
and that and that people who, by any means necessary, are accumulating as much wealth as possible at the expense of others were sick. You know that there was something wrong with them. And yeah. and and Reagan started celebrating greed. And you know we've just flipped the national zeitgeist. And and frankly, it was the same way in the 1920s. And it took the Great Depression to wake people up and kind of re-level our economy. And I suspect it's going to take another Great Depression to make that happen again. Dick, thanks for the call. Well said. Janet in Madison, Wisconsin. Janet, we just have a minute to the break. What's up? Okay, Pebble Pebble Mines open again because Scott Pruitt is doing all the settling lawsuits, all lawsuits and allowing development of this mine. And originally, uh, where is that? Robert Richard fought it. It's up southwest uh, uh, corner of Alaska. In the oh state. yeah, okay. I know. I know what you're talking about now. We had Shannon Moron talking about this. And, uh, a, a month go through this. Well, hmm. it's uh, up uh, by Northern Dynasty coming after it again. And they're talking a pit as deep as the Grand Canyon and two and a half miles long. Yeah. And it was fought before by Robert Redford, so I sent him 30 bucks, and I got this nice little bag I'm looking at, National Resource Defense Council. And then I'd like to say I saw Trump sign this uh, herbicide bill. It was one of the first things he did, and then he handed the pen to the exec from Dow Chemical. So um, there you are. Seriously? At the signing ceremony where... where... Yes. Wow. And and this is the stuff that never makes it into the news because they want Dow Chemical to buy ads on their television station networks. Okay. And then that, look at another thing. See how much money Dow Chemical gave them for the inaugural. So that's another pinch you might want to look at, okay? Yeah. And thank you. Okay. okay. Thank you a lot, Bye-bye. Janet. Yeah, this, this is, I believe, the most corrupt administration in my lifetime. And I think... Perhaps with the exception of the Andrew Jackson administration, it may be the, the most corrupt administration in the history of the United States. Donald Trump is moving us in the direction of becoming basically Turkey or the Philippines. He's turning us into a third world country. We'll be back with more of your thoughts after this. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. Stick around. We'll be right back after this short break. And welcome back. Uh, let's see here. Robert in Greenville, North. Whoop. Hang on just a second, Robert. There we go. Robert in Greenville, North Carolina. Hey, Robert, thanks for watching Free Speech TV. What's on your mind? Yesterday when uh, John Kelly did the uh, news briefing mm-hmm. and he said, I'm not quitting today. Right. I don't think I'm being fired today. Yeah, I think inserting the word today there was his way of saying, uh-oh. Well, yeah, I, what I honestly think happened that no one has brought up, I think he was going to quit. And tr- Trump, to keep him, made the deal to hire his assistant for Homeland Security. Oh, and at least he got yeah. that seat filled with someone decent because Trump was going to pick another fool. That makes so much sense because I've I've been scratching my head wondering why the executive assistant, um, you know, I can't to, to, to call it a secretary job would be to demean it. And, you know, we uh, we 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 pretty much don't have those kind of jobs anymore. You know, the old the old uh, sexist uh, stereotype from, you know, the 70s. But but, you know, 
I, I was just wondering why why his chief of staff, I guess her, her title was chief of staff, why why his chief of staff would become the, the head of, you know, our largest police agency. And, uh, you know, she does have some experience and she does have some background. I'm not saying she's totally unqualified, but there are other people who are much better qualified. But I, but I suspect you're absolutely right, Robert, that there are other people who are terrible and they're, you know, probably gold friends of Jeff Sessions. And, you know, to put them in charge of the Department of Homeland Security would be a disaster. And, and, uh, and, and, and so the good general said to Trump, or, or Trump said to the good general, if you don't quit, I'll, I'll that, that makes so much sense, Robert. I, th I think you've nailed it. That's a good one. Robert, thanks for the call. Thanks for the idea. That's, that's fantastic. Karen, in, in, uh, it's not fantastic, but it's, it's a, you know, it, it's an interesting take on the news. Karen in New Hampshire. Hey, Karen, what's on your mind? General said to Trump. Karen? Oh, Karen, you've got to listen to your telephone, not your, uh, not your radio. Uh, let's see here. Ronald in Florida. Hey, Ronald, what's on your mind? Uh, what's on my mind? Well, you know, you were talking earlier about fracking and, uh, the secretary of state, Rex Tillerson had filed a lawsuit. He had a horse ranch in Texas mm -hmm. where they were getting ready to start fracking near that ranch. And he filed a lawsuit to stop it. Yet it seems to be okay for them to destroy the water uh, everywhere else. Yeah, that was, uh, that was, one that was a couple of years ago. Wasn't I wanted it? to talk about the other was the people in Puerto Rico. When I was drafted in the 60s, they drafted people from the Virgin Islands as well. And uh, they couldn't vote or anything, but they could go and fight and die. And all of a sudden, we're not paying the attention that we need to pay to the people in the uh, Virgin Islands. Yeah, uh, I agree. That's what I wanted to talk about. I agree. In Washington, D.C., the license plates say taxation without representation. Uh, that is also true of the U.S. Virgin Islands. It is also true of, of uh, Puerto Rico. And uh, most people don't realize that. Good and good on you for pointing it out. Thanks for the call. We'll be right back. Hey, you've heard me talking about Superbeet, so I'll ask you again. If you could be more heart healthy just by drinking a glass of earthy vegetable juice daily, would you do it? Probably not. But what if this performance-enhancing veggie was transformed into a great-tasting circulation superfood drink? Superbeets is loaded with vegetable dietary nitrates that help boost nitric oxide levels in your body. That equals an increase in energy and stamina without stimulants. Dietary nitrates are incredible for helping to support healthy blood pressure, too. I drink Super Beats in the morning for energy throughout the show. In the afternoon is a pick-me-up without jittery side effects. Try the original berry or black cherry flavor. I like them both. If you haven't tried it yet, now is the time. Get a 30-day supply free. Comes with your first order. is backed by a money-back guarantee. Also receive a free book, Beat the Odds, and free nitric oxide indicator strips to see the difference for yourself. Plus free shipping. Love the results you feel. Guarantee to your money back. Call 800-568-9889. That's 800-568-9889. Or go to tomsbeats.com. That's tomsbeats.com. Welcome back. Tom Harvin here with you. And Steve in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Hey, Steve, what's on your mind? Hey, Tom, great show. I listen to you every day going to work. Thank you. I'm a little confused with the president's power with the CSRs. 
I'm assuming a payment of $7 billion would have to be approved by Congress. It, it already the was. just say, I'm not doing it? Yeah, no, well, that's, that's exactly what's happening. The payment was already authorized by Congress. It's part of the Affordable Care Act. But when Congress, Congress does not have the ability to write a check. So the way that the founders set this whole system up is Congress creates the laws, and then they say to the executive branch, which administers the laws, do it. And the executive branch, on many occasions over the years, has said to Congress, eh, I don't think I'm going to do that. Um, this, the same thing is happening with the Russia sanctions, for, for example, right now. Congress told Trump, that it told the Trump administration that on October 1st, they were supposed to put certain sanctions on Russia. Um, Trump has not yet done that. That's starting to flip out some, some folks, principally Democrats, but some Republicans as well are concerned about that. So, you know, the executive branch um, can simply refuse to do things uh, that are authorized by Congress. I'm not sure that the, that the Affordable Care Act requires uh, the executive branch to make the payment, but even if it does, the executive branch can simply say, nah, I'm not going to do it. And, and well, you know, what was the court? Say that again. What was the court ruling that was recently done? Something uh, with the making these payments. Yeah. What was that on the CSRs? Ruling? You know, I'd have to get Alex Lawson on or somebody who's really uh, in the weeds on the details on that. I, d I don't know off the top of my head. I'm sorry, Steve. Okay. But, All right. Thanks a lot. Tom. Yeah. Thanks a lot for the call. Good to hear from you. Sylvia in Cl Cl Clinton, New Jersey or Clifton, New Jersey? Clinton. 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 Uh -huh. So, Sylvia, what's up? Nothing, but I guess, you know, I just cannot. I, I'm, I love your show. I get to hear you so seldomly. You're so smart. You add so much to the dialogue. And, but I am just so angry at Bernie. Whenever this president does one more egregious, you know, punch to the gut, it's just, oh, my God, his demand for, you know, purity just destroyed us. And everybody's Sylvia, so I completely like disagree with you. I think that I think that Bernie Sanders re revitalized the Democratic Party, brought a lot of people to the table, and 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 Bernie campaigned his heart out for Hillary Clinton. Bernie went all over, literally every day for months. Bernie was in a different city campaigning for Hillary Clinton. He campaigned with Hillary Clinton. He asked the people who were his followers to campaign for Hillary Clinton. And I had supported Bernie right up until the end of the primary when Bernie lost that primary to Hillary. And Bernie said, hey, if you support me, support Hillary now. And I supported Hillary Clinton to the point, you know, from that point forward and until the election and, and did so enthusiastically. I thought she'd make a good president. Uh, I thought Bernie would have made a better president, but I thought they'd both make great presidents to the point where you know, I published a piece on Alternet uh, over the weekend and some some troll comes on and starts trashing me for for having said back in the day, you know, hey, I like them both uh, as if how dare you like Hillary Clinton? I mean, you know, that was that was not Bernie Sanders. There are some people out there who are behaving like that. And I'm not even sure they're Democrats. I, I mean, you know, I was looking at the the these uh, the, the comments on this article and I'm thinking, geez, is this is this like a troll farm? Are these Republicans? Because uh, it, 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 it didn't even make sense. It was just this 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 nonstop, you know, anti. In, the, in this case, when when it happens on on alternate, it's anti-Hillary hysteria. When when you know I I publish something over at Democratic Underground, it becomes anti-Bernie hysteria. And I don't, you know, I'm increasingly thinking these people are not even Democrats because they're telling they're completely reinventing what happened. It's it's just. You know, and and A and B, 
as I've said many times on this program, I'm not going to relitigate the primary, period. And so, you know, enough of that. Anyhow, Holbert in Burlington, I'm not sure what state it is, Holbert. Holbert, uh, Holbert. Um, Mississippi. Oh, Mississippi. Burlington, Mississippi. It's so. as far uh, south and west as you can get in the state. Okay, so what's up? Well, uh, Yellowstone. Yeah. I'm, I'm uh, among my other qualifications, I'm a geologist. And uh, Yellowstone puts everything into perspective. It's a super volcano, probably the most powerful super volcano on Earth. It erupts roughly, on average, every 600,000 years. It hasn't erupted. Well, the last time it erupted was 640,000 years ago. So sometime Uh-oh. between now and the next uh, 20,000 years, it's going to erupt again. This is going to create a volcanic winter, which will last at least a uh, half a decade. This will cause agriculture to collapse, and uh, probably uh, four out of five people on Earth are going to starve to death. Um. There's nothing we can do. Fracking probably won't make it happen. It's going to happen anyway. This knocks the whole global warming thing into a cocked hat because it could happen, well, it could happen before the West Antarctic ice sheet melts and comes up 20 feet, which happened 130,000 years ago. There's nothing we can do about that either. But uh, whatever else happens, Yellowstone will erupt. So you're, you're saying, as a geologist, Hobart, that, that fracking near an active volcano does not increase the probability that that volcano will erupt? I mean, you're, you're, I you're putting... Really no, Tom. I'm against fracking. I don't think we should do it because, yeah. uh, well, it, it causes contamination of groundwater, and we need water a lot more than we need oil. Yeah. But yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, uh, but it seems like injecting yeah. millions of gallons of of, in some cases, even volatile liquids, because they mix, you know, hydrocarbon waste in with the water in order to, quote, lubricate the rock uh, under extremely high pressure, you know, hundreds of thousands of pounds of pressure, uh, enough to crack rock, enough to crack granite, uh, that that would, uh, that would, I mean, look at Oklahoma. You're getting 500 500 earthquakes a year in in Oklahoma since they started fracking. Uh, It used to be two or three. How is... How is it not, I'm not saying it's a certainty or anything like that, but how is it not even remotely possible that fracking could cause a volcano to go? It could, I suppose, but the thing is, Yellowstone's going to erupt when it gets... No, I get that. I get that. You know, I saw the Nova documentary years ago. I get it. Yeah. Hobart, thank you for the uh, thank you for the call and for the information. It's great to hear from you. It's always nice to hear from people who know more than I do about a particular topic. I appreciate it. We'll be back with more. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. And Greg Pallast is back on the line with us. He was with us yesterday for some uh, rather remarkable reports uh, about what's going on with voting and whatnot. And in fact, I have, hang on just a second here. I've got uh, a couple of questions. Greg, first of all, Greg, welcome back. Tom again. Hey, Greg, great to have you with us. And and uh, I should add, you know, people can find your stuff at gregpalace.com and they can tweet you at greg underscore palace. Um, uh, I've had, uh, I, I teased your, your coming on the show. I mentioned it earlier in the program. And, and I've had two callers with specific questions for you about voting stuff. But 
First, you went to school with the guy who shot up Las Vegas. Do I have this right? Yeah, the uh, Steve Paddock. Um, I went to school with him from the second grade through high school graduation. And um, I've been holding this back, but I finally wrote about him because everyone's been asking why. But no one really wants to know why. And I'm going to say right off the bat, especially if you read my piece at gregpalace.com about Steve, explaining is not approving Right, it's not you know, condoning. He destroyed hundreds of families forever besides the lives lost, okay? There's no taking that away. But if you want to get Steve, let me tell you about how we grew up and him and what happened to him. Okay. You know? Well, let me tell you, okay, I went, as, as many places pointed out, we went to uh, school poly high. You understand where that is. It's in, the, it's in the anus of Los Angeles, literally. It's where the sewage uh, plant is. It's where the power plant and the city dump are. And um, we were meant to be losers. This was a, what they called a non-academic school. We didn't, you know, where the kids at Beverly Hills High and Hollywood High, they took advanced placement calculus and, and advanced placement English. We, we were required to take wood shop, electrical shop, metal shop, so we could run a drill press at General Motors. Steve and I sat together in drafting class, we were, that, which was required not English again, it was drafting class so we could go work at Lockheed, which is exactly what he did until Lockheed closed down in 1988, uh, and he took the buyout and left. Here's the problem. Steve was a math genius, okay? Mm -hmm. I was in the top class with him, but, but we didn't have even the class, the math classes that allowed him to even apply to UCLA, let alone a place like Stanford or MIT where he should have been. And you know, and it, by the way, it's not minor that my school was uh, uh, becoming a majority Chicano school. So it was poor whites, a lot of brown, poor, very poor brown people. And we were supposed to work at General Motors down the, down the road or at Lockheed. And after we got out of Vietnam, you know, if we had right. uh, enough limbs to do the job. Right. And, um, you know, he was scarred. You know, there's... PTSD, which not only comes, you know, we understand it from Vietnam vets. How about the victims of the class war? This guy had no <laughs> chance. So he, he went to the only schools that he could qualify for, a local college, uh, L.A. Valley College, uh, now uh, Cal State Northridge. You know, it's got his Lockheed job, but he should have been at Stanford. He should have been a special kid who he had a lot to, to offer, and it was his dreams were crushed, destroyed, and he just used his big brain to just spend 14 hours a day in front of a video screen, numbing that brain, using his math wizardry to try to, um, you know, make 1% on the house in, in Vegas and in Reno. It was sad. And, and the idea that he's rich, by the way, was ridiculous. He lived in a, in, in a you know, in a crappy little house uh, outside of Reno. Um, he was a loser. He wasn't a professional gambler. He was a loser, a victim of this class war, and there's a lot of bitterness. And if you understand Steve's story, and again, not approving, you'll understand the Trump voters, too. Right. But this also, uh, the, the other cautionary uh, thing that I would add here yeah. is that what you're suggesting may or may not be the major influence that caused him to turn into a homicidal maniac. Um, yeah, I didn't but, turn, by the way, I haven't killed anyone from a... Exactly. Uh, you know, that, I that was where I'm I was not going. I'm standing up on a motel uh, window 
uh, with high velocity uh, weapons. You know, right. uh, I I went a different way. In fact, the experience drove me in a very different direction. My film, by the way, the best democracy money could buy. A uh, Shailene Woodley acting as a spirit. It's kind of a dream scene. I actually go back to Sun Valley. I go back to the street where um, Steve and I grew up. And we go down San Fernando Road, and all those guys who worked at GM, which closed down, at Lockheed, which closed down, not all of them, but many of them ended up, you'll see in the film, in these mobile homes, uh, you know, semi-homeless uh, along the railroad tracks on San Fernando Road. The class war in America has a lot of victims, and we don't like to talk about it. And, you know, uh, that's why people strike out. It, again, it, you know... Uh, I don't agree with it, but understand, this is what drives me, you know, to basically tell, you know, my whole thing has been hunting down the, the billionaire uh, the malefactors. You know, creeps yeah. that did this to us, that make money off this. You know, whether they, yesterday I talked about John Paulson, uh, the finance vulture, rich kid, went to Harvard um, and drowned Puerto Rico. I mean, he's a guy that, that made it so weak that it was easy to, for the systems there to blow down. He's a finance vulture, which has been attacking Puerto Rico now for years. Um, he's in my film, too. That's what I do. I go after these guys. So that's my way of, of dealing with it. I, I, don't, I don't pick people that go to a concert and shoot bullets at them. I, I fire words at the billionaires who did this. Right, right. Remarkable. Greg, uh, thank you for sharing that story with us. I mean, that, and and I'm not. I, I need to digest that for a little bit. But that's that's that's. And people can read the whole story over at gregpalace.com. Um, can we're going to hit a break here in about two and a half minutes? Um, can uh, a couple of quick questions for you sure. off off that topic, if that's all right? Yeah. About voting rights. Um, is there that's, any that's way? To... Word, by the way, I've said just so you know, Tom, I have said that. Vote suppression is class war by other means. So yes. go ahead. It's the same. It's the same topic. Yeah, well, you're ahead. absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um, is it possible for citizens of any particular state to get a list of all the voters who have been scrubbed from that state, so that they can notify them that they've been scrubbed from the voting rolls by Chris Kobach's cross check? We are working with the ACLU, the the Civil Rights Center, great class action attorney Jeannie Meyer. We are trying to get the darn actual scrub lists. I know that the Democratic Party of Virginia has been given a list of the, of the people scrubbed in Virginia. They are holding on to this. You know, I had to work uh, five months to get their hit list, the 7.2 million so-called suspects of, of double voting. But the number, we figure about 1.1 million were actually scrubbed from the voter rolls. We have been filing all kinds of legal actions to get those names because we know that they're not 1.1 duplicate voters. Uh, that's insane. But this, I'm telling you, this is what elected Donald Trump besides the white rage. Yeah, yeah, uh, no doubt. And, so and, and then this really hard, believe me. And right. Believe and, the, me. And, and, and any and all of you putting on pressure to get those lists out of the hands of these mostly Republican Secretaries of State, those should be public documents. If you're taking away yeah. someone's right to vote, that's not that's not a privacy matter. That's not a government secret. Right, and and voting yeah. rolls uh, to begin with are, are public documents. So that's then, right. in in the four, forty seconds or so we have left, Greg, um, why is why has the Supreme Court never found an affirmative right to vote when there's all these different places in the Constitution that grant the right to vote? It's implied in the Constitution. And I'll tell you, you got nine black robes, uh, and it's a, it's a political agency. 
a switch of, of uh, robes from uh, uh, Roberts and Scalia to something more progressive, you know, another Thurgood Marshall instead of a Clarence Thomas, and suddenly the right to vote will reappear. It's, mm. it's uh, yeah, it's there. So it's, because uh, I've been saying for some time, I think, you know, the, the Supreme Court could have fixed this a long time ago simply by finding, even in the, the amendment that gave 18-year-olds the right to vote, which is probably the most universal of all of them, uh, could clearly find an affirmative right to vote, which would blow up a lot of these Republican efforts, but the Supreme Court refuses to do that. Uh, anyhow, Greg, thanks so much for being with us today. You're welcome, Tom. It's always great talking to you. Greg Palace's website, gregpalace.com. Please check it out. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Back with your calls, my thoughts, and the news of the day right after this. Chris in Albuquerque. Chris, can you hear me? Hello? Chris? Yes, I'm here. Hey, you're on the air. So what's up? Oh, okay, Tom. Thank you. I'm going to kind of move to a different spot. I just, I wanted to give you an update on the local uh, mayoral election here in uh, in Albuquerque. Okay. There was, there was about 11 or 12 uh, candidates and uh, Tim Keller made it uh, to the final two. There's a He's going up against uh, uh, a, a Republican. I'm just going to stress, though, that uh, Tim Keller is under he's running under public financing. So it's so we're going to have a runoff now in uh, in in November. And I'm just kind of urging people. I know this is a national show. I've been you know, it's uh, but regardless, though, I'm just kind of urging the people to get out there. Because Tim's going to need their, you know, need the vote now in November. Sure. Yeah, and and, and you know, thirteen fifty a.m. in Albuquerque carries our show, and Sirius XM is all through Albuquerque and and Free Speech TV and everything else. So yeah, okay, Chris, thanks thanks for the for the message, Eddie in Texas. Hey Eddie, what's on your mind? Eddie in Texas. There's something fun funky going on here. Trevor in Aloha, Oregon, if I have that right. Trevor, what's up? Hey, Tom. Hey, Tom. I, I'm I, here. Yeah, great. So what's on your mind, Trevor? Great. Uh, hey, uh, I don't know if it's appropriate or not, but um, I think uh, welcome back to Portland's in order. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Great, being great here. to have you back. Um, was a big fan of the THC back in the 620 days. That was great, yeah. by the way. Okay. Yeah. Um, anyways, I wanted to drill into something, and I'll be really brief, is the prospect of uh, requiring gun owners to carry insurance. Mm-hmm. I've been kind of drilling into it for quite a long time. And uh, the biggest argument I get is that it would produce an undue burden on gun owners. Um, haven't we drilled enough holes into <laughs> the uh, into the gun debate to... Take, uh, to go ahead and have that challenge by the Supreme Court? I'm not sure this court, uh, but yeah, I, I would think so. I, I, I mean, this, is, this is not something, you know, my suggestion is completely consistent with the Second Amendment. There are states that regulate guns and gun owners uh, in some ways, you know, even more aggressively than what I'm proposing. Uh, I'm just suggesting this is a very, very simple baseline national standard. And, and if somebody says, hey, you know, what about the rights of gun owners? 
I'm saying, you know, what about the rights of the people who are killed by guns? I mean, it's, it's 20, 30,000 Americans a year, um, you know, and, and, and another you know, 10,000 or so who commit suicide every year. You know, once a gun comes into a home, the risk of suicide in that home is increased 500%. When a gun comes into a home, the risk of a child dying in that home because of that gun is increased. Uh, when a gun comes into the home, uh, the risk of, of uh, domestic violence becoming murder or suicide goes up. Guns in homes make people less safe. It's, it's a statistical reality. And the problem that we have is that that statistical reality has not been acknowledged by our media. It is, it is uh, you know, uh, the, the NRA and, and their friends, the, 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 the weapons industry, do everything they can to obfuscate this, to, 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 to make it, you know, uh, to pretend it's not there, to pretend it's not real. And, you know, get their front men to go out there and, and do the whole song and dance. But that would be my answer to it, Trevor. No, I'm sorry. I just, I just wanted to uh, state that one of the alarming statistics that I had ran across in my research was from 2010. In 2010, gunshot wounds in medical care was $127 billion. Whoa. And that was the NIH number because CDC can't um, investigate that. Right, yeah, the CDC is prevented by law. Trevor, thank you for that. That's extraordinary. Thank you very much for that. Coming up tomorrow, we'll have the latest news and information from Wall Street and Main Street, all points in between, plus the best of the rest of the news. And don't forget, democracy begins with you. Get out there, show up, participate, tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow. been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.